You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 45. And today we're talking about how to choose a profitable and a fun niche. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley, and I work with thought leaders and experts to help them double their income, their freedom, and their impact to create a business and a life they love. From my business background of 25 years, I've learned there are three key areas to growing a successful business. Your mindset, your talents, and the people you surround yourself with. Here in the Business Lab, we'll interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 45. And today we're talking about how to choose a profitable and a fun niche. So stay tuned. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I am your Thursday co-host of the Ask Sam and Tim show, Samantha Riley. And obviously, this is my other co-host, Tim Hyde. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Sam. How are you? Have you had a good week? I have had a fabulous week. Really, really good. And yourself? I, uh, yeah, I had an absolute blinder. I um, discovered uh, just this week that I am in the top 50 sales partners for Infusionsoft globally. That is which fantastic. Is, which is super exciting. I made it in at number 48. And so, Congratulations. Um, looking forward to sort of pushing it up next year and see what happens. That's very, very exciting. Now today, before we get into today's topic, yeah, we had a couple of really cool questions come in um, after last week's conversation about, um, you know, choosing an app customer avatar. And there was two in particular that stood out. And the first one, I'm going to ask you to answer, Sam. This one came in from, from Emma and she asked, how long should I be keep doing my, my unpaid strategy before I start to see an ROI? And what was my original reaction? It was, I think, you said, I, I, think you said, I think you said, oh, my God, this is going to get me in trouble if I answer yeah. this. <laughs> and then I thought, no, I might get in trouble, but let me answer it. Because, I mean, how long is a piece of string, right? This is where you need to really be very clear with all of the things that we talked about last week. Be very clear on your avatar. Be very clear on your message. Be very clear on your zone of genius and what you're sharing. Because if you're not sharing these things in the right way, and you're sharing and talking to everyone, and you're not talking in your zone of genius, and you're talking about everything, and you're not really showing up as the authority in your niche and your industry, then it's possible that you'll never see an ROI. But if you do get these things right, the things that we were talking about last week, if you get them right, you could actually see a return. You could, you could have someone signing up on a, a strategy call with you the same week that you start mm-hmm. talking about it. And it's totally possible that you do. So it's very, very important and absolutely imperative that you do get all of these things right. Be absolutely 100% on message and on point. Yeah, a few years ago, I worked with a, uh, a celebrant who'd spent you know, 18 months trying to reach his target market on LinkedIn. And while his particular sort of avatar, you know, it was 50 to 65, second marriage, you know, mature kids, and that's who we wanted to reach. And he thought there's lots of people, these people on LinkedIn, they just weren't having that conversation there. No, because that's not what LinkedIn is for. LinkedIn is a professional networking space. So, And and as soon as we moved him across to Facebook and, you know, he said, we're going to advertise to people who 
at saying they're now in a relationship or engaged. You know, he picked up three clients in the first week. So it can Yeah, happen. so it's not just about the message. Mm. So, yeah, it's about where you're sharing that message. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the other question that came in that was uh, we thought was interesting and probably worth exploring just a little bit more from yes. Steve Gregory at Black Bull Performance Group. So thanks, Steve, for sending that in. And Steve asked, what is a negative avatar? I absolutely love this question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it over to you, Tim. Yeah, so a negative avatar is someone you don't want to work with. I think when we, when we build our avatars, we so focus so much on who it is we want to attract we kind of forget that sometimes there are people in our world who come into our space that we really should be saying no to mm-hmm. because of for whatever reason. So a negative avatar really represents the kind of characteristics that you don't want to work with or you can't make the impact that you want to make. And while we're starting out, and, and it, there is always a, a risk of saying yes to too much stuff, if you say yes to people who represent your negative avatar, you're not going to enjoy working with them as much. You're not going to be able to create the impact that you want to create. And that sort of starts to have this flow on effect in other parts of your business because Mm. it's more draining. It takes longer to deliver. It's less profitable. It's less fun. You're unlikely to make the impact that's going to then have that person going, that was the best experience of my life. I want to tell everybody about it. Mm. And having that Mm. negative avatar is really important. Yeah. uh, I think. And I I think that number one thing that you really need to tap into here, just is really, really knowing your core values so that there's an alignment of values because I have found personally that whenever there's, you know, I've attracted a negative avatar and I'm sure I'm not the only person that's, that's you know, had a negative avatar and, and taken them on and then just gone, oh, what did I do? This is yeah. not fun. It's always been a misalignment in values. So be yeah. very, very aware of what and not just aware, but really live your core values and know what they are. That's right. Attracting clients is an expensive, time-consuming process. So that when you've got them, you want to keep you want to keep the ones that you enjoy working with. And if you think about all the clients you're working with right now, there'll be a couple that stand out as your A clients. People yeah. just go, "This is awesome." No one ever wants to be in a position where they get that email or that phone call and just go, "Oh my god, not that," you know, yeah. "not that person again." And if you can qualify them out at the start and just say, "Look." thanks very much for getting in touch. I don't think I can help you. Yes. You know, here is something, you know, go here. And I would always recommend sending yeah. them somewhere else and giving them a next next step rather than just sort of, yeah, yeah. You know, you're going to find that you enjoy your business a lot more. For me, you know, part of my negative avatar is that I won't work with anyone who's not prepared to pay credit card billing in advance mm-hmm. because I don't want to chase invoices. I've done that in the past. Yep. And when you start chasing someone who might have had 12 months worth of invoices. It's just emotionally draining. Yeah, and a waste of resources, time, <coughs> money. Yeah, people get funny about it. That's a yeah. really great point, yeah. yeah. And, and you do have to, and that's probably one of the things we're going to talk about today is we do have to have that values alignment with someone as well. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Thanks, right. Emma and Steve, for sending in those questions. And for everyone else that wants to send in their questions, please use the hashtag Ask Sam and Tim. We would love to answer your question next week and give your business a shout out. But let's jump into today's topic, Tim, how to choose a profitable and fun niche. And I'm excited about this because profit and fun in the same sentence is like, tick <laughs> all my boxes just there. <laughs> that's, that's definitely your avatar, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 
absolutely. I think this is, this is a question that comes up and it's very tied to what we talked about last week when we were identifying our avatar. And in many ways, they kind of go hand in hand to kind of really define what our business is going to look like going forward. I think that's important. And it's, it's one of those things, again, that we're a little bit fearful when we start our business to go, I'm going to pick just one group of people that I want to talk to, to the potentially exclusion of, of everybody else. Yes, yeah. I'm too but, afraid that if I say this, that I will, you know, someone else won't come and spend money. Yeah, someone, someone, will, someone will say, you know, someone else won't go and say yes to me. Right? Yeah, yeah. The, the irony is that they're more likely to say no. Everyone's more likely to say no rather than yes. It's so we're almost going, yes. you know, more one way or the other. And you see shock, shock jocks on radio, you know, they alienate a whole bunch of people and they massively polarising in yes. some of their opinions. But you yes. know what they do? While they're alienating one group, and pushing them away, that's our negative avatar. Yes. They're also doing is attracting this rabid, loyal following. Yeah, they're building that tribe. They're building that tribe, and it's so important that we do that. And, you know, we've got this opportunity now with coaching consultant space to be able to reach clients all around the world so much more easily than we ever have at any other time in history. And being able to do that, being able to... Yes, alienate some part, but but really align yourself with people who you can work with and and you love working with, and they love working with you as well. Yes, is so important, you know, totally. for, in in order to create a business success. I did this very well when I was a personal trainer because I didn't want to train bodybuilders because I wasn't one and it didn't interest me. I was more interested in in just being fit. You know, I wasn't interested in training teenagers as much because I was already working with those in the dance studio. But what I was really interested and passionate in is teaching or working with busy parents because I was a busy parent and I know, and I knew what it was like to be so busy that it was actually really tricky to train or to, to eat. And what happened was by really honing in on that avatar that when a busy parent joined the gym, everyone used to say, you've got to go see Sam. So I wasn't having to hunt for for prospects like a lot of personal trainers do. People would just come and speak to me. And you're right, they all got to know each other. And we used to have, you know, get-togethers and workshops because they just used to love hanging around, not just my message, but other people that were having the same challenges and the same wins as they were. So when you get this right, it can be very profitable and very fun. Absolutely. So I've got six questions that I would normally take people through in order to sort of identify what niche is going to be both fun and possible. And the first one of those is, can you do it? Right? Pick something that you can do. I really okay. like that you've started off with this one. I really like this. <laughs> something that you've got experience with or you've trained in or, you know, that you've had success with before. Yeah, I think people make this mistake. They they start their business out, or they they're in business, and they go, "I'm going to pick a niche. I'm going to pick a niche. What's the most profitable niche?" Yes. Right. But if you can't do that niche, if you don't understand that niche, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're you're wasting your time. You're not going to. It's a. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be profitable for you because you can't create the transformation you need to create for your customers. Yeah. I can't. I'm not a mechanic. Um, I've never been really good at cars. <laughs> For me, cars are a thing that take me from A to B. Some yes. cars take me to A from A to B in a little bit more comfort than other cars. But lift the hood and tell me, you know, 
I've got a sort of rudimentary understanding of how an engine works. But if I said, you know, I'm going to become a mechanic because suddenly mechanics are making lots of money, I would not make a good mechanic. Yep. And I think that we've we've all seen the the business coaches and that is a, a large niche of people think that, you know, business coaching is quite profitable that have gone into business coaching that don't have a business. And, you know, I think we're starting to see the end of that little trend because they haven't been able to create the results. But that is something that I'm, I'm sure that everyone that's listening has seen at some point around the traps. Absolutely. Okay. Second thing I think people should ask is what do you want to do? If it's going to be fun, you have to want to do it, right? That's right. And, and that's part of the criteria. If I'm going to, if I don't want to do something, it's not going to make create a good niche for me. Yeah. And so if I have to be, you know, a business coach and I don't enjoy business coaching, <laughs> right? So I, I, I don't know how to do it, but if I can do it and I don't want to do it, I could be a, a web developer. I've got a rudimentary. I did IT degree at uni. I have a, you know, I can read code. I can probably write it to a certain extent. But if I, so I can do it, do I want to do that all day long? No, that would drive me slightly insane. And it's not just do I want to do it for the next year, is do I want to do this for the next five years or 10 years? Do I want to be doing this at 10 p.m. or 12, you know, 12 a.m. on nights where I've got, a, you know, something looming and I have to, sure, we don't work till those times every, every, every week, but, you know, there's times <coughs> that are high stress. So can will I still enjoy it during the high pressure times and for many years? That's right. There's this really cool quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson that I like that says, that which we persist in doing becomes easier, not because the nature of the task changes, but because our ability to do it improves. And if you keep chopping and changing your niche every six months, every 12 months, every two years, you're never going to see the momentum. It's always going to be hard. Yes. I keep telling my, I've told my son, you know, this from a very young age, is that everything is hard until it's easy. Correct. I come from a ballet background and, you know, what happens in a, a dance studio and specifically in classical ballet, you just are repeating over and over and over and over. And, you know, 25 years later, even if you're a professional, you're still doing the same moves that you did on your first day in class when you were five years old. It's all about mastery and that's how they achieve mastery is just repeating just over and over and over and it's no different in our business. Absolutely. So the third thing thing I think we need to look at is does the person who represents this niche fit with your values? Which we touched on just a little earlier. We won't use that example, but... (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, if freedom is important to you, and I notice you've got your little thing in the background. Absolutely, yeah, which is showing up. That's one of my up values up. as well. Yes. That's, that's an important thing. If your customer, if this niche doesn't want freedom, and that's an important for value, you're going to find this values misalignment. And the other way around, Tim, can I just say, it's not just about attracting someone who has that, but it's about you making sure that you live that yourself. If you decide that you're going to set up a business that requires you to show up and be there in person every day from 6am till 7pm and your core value is freedom, then that's clearly not going to sit well with you. Mm, absolutely. Now, the third one is... Oh, sorry, I think one, we're at the fourth one. Yes. fourth one now um, is that can you make an impactful transition? And this kind of goes in two parts. So I'm going to make this is, this is sort of four and five here is... Are you solving a problem that wants to be solved? Interesting. Tell us more about that. 
Okay. So it's two things, right? Can you make an impact mm-hmm. right, with this thing? And are you solving a problem that wants to be solved? And what I mean by that is everyone has problems. Not all of them are problems that people care about. Okay. So I don't particularly care about getting the last little bit of toothpaste out of the tube. Ah, I like it. Right? And I remember seeing years ago on Dragon, the BBC version of Dragon's Den, um, if you're in the US or Australia, you probably know it as Shark Tank. It's the sort of same, same concept. And they, these guys came in and gave this pitch that they had this device that sat in the bottom of all their, in, in, you can put into tubes, which ensured that you got the last bit of you know, product out of the tube. And it cost about 10 cents or 10 pence as this case to yep. put this product into this tube. And they've gone, are you solving, does this solve a problem that needs to be solved? Because the value of the product left in the tube generally after you've rolled up and squeezed it and everything was about one cent worth of product. <laughs> However, it depends because if you sold that same product to an eco-friendly group that are very aware of the amount of trash going into landfill, then that could be very valuable. Potentially, okay. But yeah. you've sort of got, you know, again, that's a problem that wants to be solved. For most people, yes. that's not a problem that wants to be solved. Yes. So even though if you can do it and you want to do it, right, and it, you've got to create this, you've got to solve this problem in a, in a way that's meaningful and my niche wants to make that transition. Totally. I know that I'm much healthier if I don't have two glasses of wine on a Saturday night. <laughs> no one's going to solve it for me. <laughs> Look, again, it's not a problem that you want to solve. No, it is not a problem. I enjoy my wine on Saturday night. That's right. Okay. So your niche has to want to solve this problem. It has to yeah. be big enough and impactful enough problem for them that they're prepared to make the journey. And often we, we get in this position that, you know, and this is a sort of marketing sort of concept that every time we make a change in our life to do something different, everything that we do as coaches and consultants changes someone's status quo mm-hmm. right they go from you know point a to point b if i'm in a car i go from here to the pub or to the movie cinema theater or, or something um, i'm going from point a to point b now if i'm if the pain of that transition is greater than the pain i'm experiencing from staying where i am i will never move totally if the pain point of where i am is great enough that the pain of transition is less i will make the transition and we need Definitely. to think about that as we pick a niche as well. Right? Definitely. As humans, unless that pain is, we can't bear it anymore. We definitely don't choose to do something else. Otherwise, we would all have profitable businesses in the first week because we just put ourselves out there and do all of the things like cold calling and all the things that we don't like to do. You know, We generally don't make that decision to do something different until the pain's too much. Yeah, I still remember this, one of the few movie quotes I remember, and I think it's the day the earth stood still or something or other, Gowney Reeves and, and um, somebody else who escapes me right now. I can picture him, I just can't think of his name. <laughs> Donald Sutherland. Uh-huh. And uh, there's this thing right at the end, it says, you know, and, and, and keep us up, sorry, Gowney Reeves is this sort of alien who's come to sort of wipe the earth clean and give us earth a, a, a new start again. Uh-huh. And Donald Sutherland, this old wizened professor, he says it's only on the precipice of disaster that we find the courage to change. Totally true. Uh, P.S. Uh, you pay, you play a very strong quote game. I just want to give you kudos yeah. for that. <laughs> I may or may not have written these down before. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the last one I think that we, we really need to ask ourselves when we're identifying a niche is 
how much do I want to be paid? Right, so it sort of plays into the others a little bit. How much do I want to get paid for this, you know, to solve these things? So can do, you know, want to do, does it fit our values? Does it solve a pain point and create a transition for somebody? And how much do I want to be paid mm. to do things? And that's really going to identify which niche is going to, to work for us because it's all relative. You know, if I, if I work with mining companies who are accustomed to spending tens of millions of dollars on infrastructure, my $5,000 invoice could be easily a $10,000 or $20,000 or $30,000 invoice. Mm-hmm. And they probably wouldn't even, if it was only a $5,000 invoice, probably wouldn't even do business with you. No, it's, it's not big enough. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working with corporates, I can charge more because the, the invoices they're used to dealing with to make the same transition bigger, but also the scale of the problem we're solving for them is also bigger. Yes. So ten, you know, if I make a 10% change as a management consultant or leadership coach to an organisation who's turning over $100 million a year and I can make a 10% productivity improvement to that organisation, I'm impacting that organisation by $10 million. And so my million-dollar invoice is probably okay. But if I try and charge the same million-dollar invoice to a business that's only turning over 100000 with my 10% in productivity increase, it doesn't match up. No. There's a mismatch. Now, you will have noticed as I went through those six questions, none of them talked about how how big is the industry and how much competition is in that space already. Ah, which makes me feel so good because I 100% agree with you that we get caught up on this way too much. We should not worry about how big the industry is or what our competition is doing. We need to absolutely need to be aware of it. Yes. But we need to kind of not let that dictate what we choose. Because again, if we're dictating, we're letting the competition dictate which industry we're in, we then get forced into things we don't want to do, things Mm -hmm. we can't do, things that don't necessarily pay us what we want to get paid for. And compared. When we're doing things that are unique to us, you can't compare it because you're comparing apples and oranges. You're like, no one else does what we do, which a lot of people say, and I get that, but when we're very, very clear on what it is that makes us unique and what our skill set is and all of the other questions that you asked, then you can say, well, you know, we're, we're not quite the same. This, we get this different outcome. I want to share that a few years ago, I went to a business conference and we had a, the speaker was fantastic. He was really great. But I got one. I took away one of the worst pieces of advice. That is probably one of the worst pieces of advice I've ever been given. You know, he was saying that business is like elite athletes. You know, we're we're going for mastery. We're always trying to better what we're doing. He said, so why don't we start thinking like elite athletes? If someone's going to the Olympics, they know, and they're going to run the hundred meters. They know every person that's in the race. They know exactly how fast everyone runs. They know everything about them because that's how they're going to try and win the race. The problem I found with that is that when you're focusing on your competitors that much, you start to, you know, it's like when you're driving along and you're looking somewhere, what happens? The car goes that way, right? So if we don't, you know, put the blinkers on and stay in our own lane and just keep doing what we're doing, like you said, it's okay that we know there's another car there in the lane, but we don't want to focus on it at all. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I I had a very similar experience when I started my last business, which is called the Riot Act, started in 2000 when there was no social media anywhere. Facebook didn't exist. LinkedIn mm. didn't exist. And we built it just to sort of create this sort of news portal, you know, community news portal where everyone was engaged and, you know, creating commentary. 
I mean, that got to sort of 18 million page views a year just in a population of 300,000, so mm-hmm. not, too, not too bad. And, you know, every so often we'd have these copycat sites come up and people would ask me, are you worried that someone's going to take your market? And I'm like, well, not particularly because I've got the roadmap. I know where I'm going and yeah. I know all the potholes that I've run over. <laughs> <laughs> and they're about to find out. <laughs> and they're about, they're about to find out. Yeah. And so, you know, when we go for, when we, we're aware of it but don't focus on it, we can part, you know, we can plot our own journey and create our own success around that. Perfect. Now, before we go on, there's, there's two other things I wanted to very, very quickly touch on when we sort of look at Nisha. And these are things that I think are important because more often than not, when we think niche, we think I've got to pick a particular industry vertical. Like I mm-hmm. only work with mining companies or I only work with naturopaths or I only work with whatever. And we, we quite often get these sort of, uh, I guess, these sort of very niche demographics. I only work with females between the ages of 40 and 45, you know, who want to get fit. Yes. We can pick a horizontal. That's what I call it, a vertical niche. We can pick a horizontal niche as well. And a horizontal niche is more like a geography. So I only work with businesses in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Or I only work with people who are, are at, a, at a particular stage of a journey. Mm-hmm. Right? That's also a niche. And that's what we'd call a horizontal niche. So for me, you know, I tend to work with businesses who would find themselves a little bit overwhelmed. They feel like their business is not scaling as much as they want it to. They feel like they're getting pulled six ways from Sunday. They feel like they're dropping things in their business and it's not systemized. Those are, that's a horizontal niche. I don't mm-hmm. care whether you're white, black, male, female, Jewish, you mm-hmm. know, tall, short, in the US, mining company, you know, or clairvoyant. Yes. What I work with is people who are sort of hitting this glass ceiling and trying to break through with it. Yes. So, you know, that's a horizontal niche. And we can also have a combination of both. Yes. So we could say pick a vertical niche, which is representative of a demographic or an industry vertical, but also a stage of, you know, that person's journey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as well. Okay, so we can have both vertical and horizontal, one or other. It doesn't have to be, you know. So anything. when you're talking vertical niche, you're talking about going deep within that. When you're talking horizontal, it's going across. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So both can be representative and, again, Look at those questions when you're choosing a sort of sector that you want to work in. It doesn't have to, you don't have to think that, oh my God, but my niche isn't defined by a profession. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be defined by a profession. And I think that's a mistake that people make when they look at their niche going, oh, well, hang on, that doesn't quite fit. But, you know, and they kind of just cram it in to make it work. Yeah, totally. But it doesn't have to be. Totally. No, you've talked about lots of things to work through. I believe that you've got a worksheet for the listeners today to help I do, them to I do. this team. So if you uh, jump on my website, https forward, uh, forward slash forward slash, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> winmoreclients.com.au forward slash niche, N-I-C-H-E. Yes. Um, you'll be able to get a little worksheet that'll take you through this and sort of fill in the blanks. Beautifully. Um, and I've done a little example as well. So you can, if you want to sort of go, oh, how does that work? There's a little example there that you can follow. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can go to the show notes page and get that link. If you're on YouTube, (coughs) the link will be just right down below. Excellent. And next week, Tim. Actually, Uh, no, no. We need to wrap up this first. We we need to wrap up this week. Wow, overarching messages this week. We're getting ahead of ourselves. What What do you reckon? Oh, so for me, the big takeaway is that 
the niche needs to work for you. Don't get caught up in what other people are saying, how you should choose your niche, that you need to really tap into the experiences that you have, tap into the things that light you up, tap into your core values, and that's how you come up with a niche. Don't choose a niche straight out logically because someone else has said this is an industry that's going this way or this is where the money is or, you know, this is what I think you should be doing, which, you know, I had someone say to me a few years ago, you're really good at this. I think you should be doing that. And I said, but I don't want to do that. So my takeaway would be is use a a mixture of head and heart and to really get something that's unique to you. Don't forget if you've got any questions coming out of today's episode to send them in via the hashtag ask, hashtag ask Sam and Tim. We're happy to answer your questions on the next episode, which of course, Sam, is about creating leverage in your coaching business. Love it. Leverage is like the biggest, sexiest word ever. For those of us that have a core value of freedom, leverage is like music to that's our- my uh, That's my word for the year is leverage. Ah, very nice. Yes, so um, I'm looking forward to that episode next week. Excellent. And, Brilliant. Uh, you can join us. Excellent. Thanks so much for listening. If you're listening, reach out. Let us know if you've got any questions. Again, that using that hashtag, ask Sam and Tim. Tim, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure hanging with you here in the Business Lab again. As always, Sam, looking forward to next week's episode. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See you next week. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth, and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders in a Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode, and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Business Lab.